All right, I want to welcome all of our locations today uh, as an Emmanuel family, Elk River, Maple Grove, Lakeville, Spring Lake Park, and those in your tree stands. Welcome to church today. So glad that we get to be together, those that are Emmanuel online, wherever you're joining us from. This is an amazing moment in our story. Every year, God does new things in and through our church. And today, I believe that God is going to do a great big miracle through us just as he always has done. And uh, we're going to have our miracle offering in a few moments at the end of the service. And that's not a big pressure moment. It's actually just we joyfully get to partner with what God is doing. We've been in this Missio Day series on the mission of God, talking about how God wants to use all of us. And some of us are given different levels of talents, but we're all meant to be obedient and do what God has called us to do. And how many know he knows how to reward those who do well with what's given them. And I believe that God is going to continue to do that through our church. I want to just take a moment and just reference our Kingdom Builders booklet that we gave out at the beginning of the year. We still have some available in our lobbies, lobbies, but you can also look on our website. And in there are all the various projects and partners that we work with all around the world and locally. God is using Emmanuel not just to take care of ourselves, but to take care of the world around us. Amen? And I am so excited about all that God is doing. One of those partners is today's speaker. And uh, Pastor Matthew Barnett is the leader of the L.A. Dream Center and the pastor of a church, Angelus Temple, there in L.A. And he's going to share his story in a moment. But we're going to continue to partner with organizations just like that. And I just wanted to mention something I did not mention in the first service. At the very back of our, our booklet and in our project list is our Kingdom Builders Legacy And right in there is something that we're saying wasn't a project for this year, but we're dropping the seed for a bigger vision for what God can do through our house. And it's listed as the Emmanuel Dream Center because God wants to do something in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Can I get an amen? And today you're going to hear from a leader who heard from God and then has changed the world through in L.A., and I believe that what God has done in his life and what God is doing in his church, God is also going to do through Emmanuel. And today, would you give it up for Pastor Matthew Barnett as he comes and he shares his incredible story of the L.A. Dream Center. Woo! Oh, man, when he said that, I just, I, I don't know, I just heard me, I just screamed. I was so excited. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here with you guys. It's a great honor. It's uh I'm overwhelmed by your kindness. Uh, the teams you've sent to the Dream Center to LA to do youth group trips uh, nonstop. I just love you guys. I am so blessed. I mean, I typically don't go to places that are really, really cold. This is the warmest thing that I have. I am not kidding. I'm like cold inside. It hit me so hard, like the shower couldn't get the coldness out of my bones. And so this is the warmest thing that I have to wear is I'm just trying to stay bundled up. But... Uh, it's a really warm here in the house of God and in the kindness, the joy. Do you know why this church has done so well? Um, you know, sadly, you know, through a lot of churches struggling uh, the post-COVID era, because you have deep roots in the ground. And I have noticed that churches have deep roots in the ground and yet an openness to what God wants to do next are the ones who have done extremely well. And I want you to know that you're an example, and I love you, and I'm so excited to be here. I'm sad this is my final service, but uh, we are representations at the Dream Center of all that you have given to us 
And I uh, just take you on a little journey of what you're supporting here today. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. The title of my sermon is, Why the Vikings Will Win Today. No, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The carnal mind. Hebrews 12 verses 1. The title of the message is, The Get to Spirit. The Get to Spirit. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right-hand throne of God. Father, use this word. I pray that people walk out of this building and not say, what a great sermon, but they'll walk out of here and say, wow, what a great God. May that be accomplished today for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, because the heart of God and the passion of God was greater for what you could become, for what you could have, for eternity being for you, overcoming sin and death and the cross and the torture, what it can mean for you. Yes, the pain was there. Yes, all the sins of the world weighed upon Jesus. Yes, everything was on his shoulders. But what kept him going? It was the joy set before him. And what is his joy? His joy was always and always has been for you. Thank God that we have a Savior who's got a get-to spirit. Amen. He didn't say, oh, I got to save mankind. I got to come down the cross and do this thing. No, no, no. He, the joy set before him, he left heaven to come to earth to give his life in the ultimate display of what it means to live a get-to life. I'm here today, I believe that God's getting ready to put a get-to spirit in every single person here in this room. When I was 20 years of age, I came to LA to pastor. It was interesting because I was only supposed to be there for three months. My dad, uh, Tommy Barnett, the great legend of the ministry, received a building in downtown L.A., and, and uh, someone asked him to help him plant a church because they didn't want it to be given away to the banks, the church, and so they said, we need someone to help us to pastor the church. So my dad, like, drove 10 pastors down Sunset Boulevard, and he's like, the church is on Sunset Boulevard, and they were thinking, you know, Hollywood, Sunset, but they don't realize Sunset begins in one of the rougher parts of all of L.A., you know, before it gets to Sunset Boulevard. And so he, um, he, he drove them around, and these pastors looked, and they saw, you know, gang members trying to break in the building, and every single one of them said, I don't feel led of the Holy Spirit to come and pastor the church. So I was 11th on the list of 10. My dad turns to me and says, son, I can't find a pastor. I can't find a real one. Would you help, come and help me to come and pastor this church for three months? He gave me 10 sermons to memorize. But here's the problem about that in ministry. There's always going to be week 11 and week 12 and week 13, right? And uh, he gave me those sermons. My church went from 18 down to 2 in the first six months. I mean, I wrote the book on church reduction. I can tell your church how to reduce in six months. The first week I was there, I moved the organ from one side of the stage to the other. I lost half my congregation the first week. I didn't know it wasn't supposed to be moved, you know, and, and I was so discouraged. I went home one night, and I just began to cry. I laid on my pillow in downtown L.A. in my dad's apartment that he let me use, and I just wept. I said, God, I'm a failure. The anointing was on my grandfather. It was on my father, but I think it skipped a generation with me, God, you know, and, and I just cried and cried and cried. 
And God spoke to me. He said, I want you to stop your crying. I want you to get up and I want you to go to Echo Park and I want you to go to Skid Row and I want you to take a prayer walk to the city of Los Angeles. I thought God was mad at me for being a big old baby and was just going to finish me off in a drive-by shooting and get somebody there who really could do the job, you know? And that night I walked around Skid Row, saw the thousands of homeless and I walked through the neighborhood, saw parents struggling to survive in these apartments, trying to gather together. I walked around, and I saw young men up against police cars being arrested with helicopters that were flying over. And, and that night, God spoke a word to me that changed my life. He said, tonight in this park, I want you to die to the dream of being a success. I want you to go home and rip up all your five-year goals, 10-year goals of what you think the ministry ought to be. And I want you to live according to 12 words in, in Proverbs that says, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. I want you to acknowledge me, and I will decide what kind of path I'm going to give you. You just use what you have. You never want to be anywhere else except for where you are right now, using what I've given you. And I want you to use it to help every broken life in this neighborhood. I want you to use it to serve. And that night, I died to my dream of being a success, and I lived to the dream of being a blessing. There's nothing wrong with having goals, but in my case, I had to rip up my five-year plan because I realized that God was taking me on a different adventure. He said, use whatever I give you to serve people. And so I said, God, what do I have? He said, you have a desk and you have a phone. You have no staff, but just move your desk on the sidewalk. And just have your office outside. So every day, all the mamas in the neighborhood, you know, they're walking their kids to school and they'd walk by me and I'd just buy one jar of candy because that's all I had. And like five bags of groceries, I'd pray about, you know, who to give it to. And all the mamas walking by and they'd be like, hola, bueno, como estas, bueno, which means whitey in Spanish. And, uh, and then I'd give away some more food. And I mean, back then I was so skinny. I, when I stuck out my tongue, I prospered since. But when I stuck out my tongue, I looked like a zipper. That's how skinny I was. I was 20, but I looked like 12. I looked like I was a kid from the Home Alone movie. That's how I looked like, you know? Um, and then I, get, I, I would bless the children a little bit more, and they would say, hola, güerito, which means little whitey in Spanish. And, uh, and so things were beginning to happen. And uh, one day, um, I looked at my church. I said, we need to get some buses. So we started running buses, and then we started bringing the homeless to church. And we went from 18 down to 2, and then 2 to 600, not even thinking about the word success, just using whatever we had, loving people. And I remember those days where 90% of my church is homeless. I'm out there preaching, and, uh, and uh, as I'm delivering my message, people are making out in the back row and, like, you know, drinking and using and everything. So I didn't even prepare a sermon. I just showed up. I looked at the crowd and said, Today, I think I'm going to preach on substance abuse, you know, and uh, it was like eight mile freestyle preaching, you know, and, uh, and there it was, you know, I just do the best in helping people. And one day, um, one day a guy came on a bus. He said, Pastor, I'm not going to make it if I go back to Skid Row. And I looked at that crowd and I mean, the whole crowd, I mean, you know, you got an outreach church when the ushers are wearing ankle bracelet monitors, then you know, you got an outreach church. I mean, you know you got an outreach church when the preacher says, can I get a witness? And everybody's like ducking, you know? And I mean, you know you got an outreach church where people are selling knockoff t-shirts of your ministry unauthorized by the church across the street. My marketing team is like, Pastor, someone's selling unauthorized stuff. I'm like, man, let's let them hustle, make money. Amen, right? You know, and, uh, and there were just trying to survive and minister. But then one day that guy came up to me in the bus. He said, Pastor, I, I can't make it. If I go back on that bus, 
And I said, you just give me a few days and I'll figure out something. And we took a house that the church owned and we turned it into a rehab program. And God spoke to me and said, I want you to start a rehab program. I said, God, I've never had an addiction. And God said, that's okay. I want you to start a rehab program because I haven't called you to LA to be relevant. I've called you to be revolutionary. Do things you cannot do that will give me the glory. And the one thing I love about the church is that you guys are creating some, some miracle space and this offering, the sp miracle space is a space between what you can do and what you can do. And that's where God gets the glory. But sometimes we stand up right next to what we can do. We think it's God because we can do it in the natural. But if you create some miracle space, that's where God gets the glory. When you create some miracle space, maybe you give your most generous gift at a time where the church needs it the most at a time where it doesn't make sense. You are creating the miracle space. And when God began to put that get-to spirit in my heart, I began to see everything as joy. I wouldn't preach with ulcers anymore, and, and I wouldn't preach with nervous about who was showing up or not. It was God's ministry. It was his people. It was my job just to love and to serve and to bless. And, uh, and then we had another home in the neighborhood, and then another home. And before long, we're using old dirt piles for basketball um, courts that we were buying at Kmart, the old hoops. You know, you put the water in in the base of it, you know, to keep them from falling over, the sand ones, you know, and just doing whatever we had. And I realized that serving is not a, a destination. It's not when we get somewhere, then we're going to be fulfilled. You can be filled every day of your life if you live your life with the palms down. You live your life with the palms up, only can be happy at Christmas time and your birthday. But if you live life with the palms down, there's a way you can be happy 365 days a year, and that is to live with a get-to spirit. We get to give. We get to serve. We get to forgive. We get to do crazy things for God and support 110 ministries. That's amazing. Like, like what planet are you guys going to next? You have, you've run out of room to support. Amen. And uh, all these crazy things that are happening. Why? Because if I get to spirit, it's, it's becoming need hunters, living on the edge of your seat, looking around for an opportunity to be a blessing. The Bible says of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, it, the one sentence autobiography of Jesus's life was Jesus Christ of Nazareth who went about doing good. You know what I love about this church? You know what this church is known for? People know the name of your church. They know, they know the name of your pastor. But in general, do you know what this church is known as? That church. That church that does this. That church that supports that ministry. That church that kept the Dream Center open during COVID when 30% of the churches in Los Angeles shut down. 30%. But that church in Minnesota reached a loving hand into Los Angeles and said, I, I believe that we shouldn't give up on places like LA and we need to keep them going and help us serve. The greatest name that a church can get is not the name of the church. It's just the reputation of that church. And I met with your pastor, and I saw the Emmanuel Dream Center. I'm like, oh, my goodness. What took us 20 years to build? It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in a year or two overnight in this place. If we, if we give today, something great could happen. Who knows? Usually it's just one miracle offering that gives you the confidence to believe that now is the right time. And I believe that time is now, and, and we get to give. We get to serve. And and we outgrew that building in the neighborhood. And uh, we had houses and, and people being restored. I'm driving down the Hollywood Freeway one day. I'm 23 years old praying. I say, God, we need a new building. 
And I literally looked to my right and I saw the hospital on the Hollywood freeway, the old Queen of Angels hospital where practically every celebrity was born. And I looked at that place, which is in every movie right by Dodger Stadium on the 101 freeway that no building, even Capitol Records or any of the famous ones have a better location on the freeway than that building. It said for sale. So I pulled it in the middle, and uh, they were filming a movie there. Brad Pitt and George Clooney were filming a movie right there, Ocean's Eleven or uh, one of those type of Ocean's movies. And uh, they were there on campus, and um, they were were just using it to film. And uh, so I I walked up to Brad Pitt, because I'm not intimidated by actors. I'm intimidated by your pastor, but I'm not intimidated by actors, you know, big, strong physique of a man and a Michigan fan, you know. and, uh, And so I walked up. I walked up to Brad Pitt, and back then, we had a TV show. Believe it or not, Dream Center had a TV show, because Paul Crouch donated at that time 30 minutes uh, for Urban Ministries to get free airtime. So he just randomly showed up and just said, I want to give you all this equipment. We're like, I guess we're doing a TV show. And we had nobody who even knew how to, how to turn on a camera back then. But we were on for like 10 years, you know, and, uh, but Brad Pitt stopped. He looked at me. He said, wait a second. He goes, I think I know who you are. He goes, are you the guy that's on that Christian television show every Friday night? He said, are you Matthew Barnett? No, he didn't say that. I'm just messing with you. (laughs) That actually was a good segue. I ought to bring someone like that every service to say that. That timing was amazing. I promise you that wasn't planned. No, no. He he used my head as an ashtray for a cigarette and told me to move on. But no stalker here. And so I walked in the building. And I said, I want to buy this building. How much is it? Just totally ignorant, 23-year-old. They said uh, $16 million is being sold for. Paramount's getting ready to buy it. Paramount's going to turn to a movie set, all of this. And I said, I don't have $16 million, but I have a dream. They weren't impressed. They kicked me out of the building and wouldn't even allow me to see a tour of the building. So what happened next? Well, I saw a security guard, and he wasn't looking. And when he wasn't looking, I snuck in the back door and gave myself a tour of the building anyways. How many here know that God sometimes will cause you to go gangster for Jesus? Amen. And he literally gave me an open door, a literal open door. So I'm like just walking around with one eye on Jesus and one eye on the security guard. That's why the Bible says watch and pray. You got to get a dream and run from the cops sometime. Lord, speak to me quickly. Do a quick work. Do a quick work in me. What are you trying to show me? And I walked through the 15 stories and God showed me. He goes, I want this floor right here to be for every homeless family who needs a place to go. I want this floor to be for everyone who has a drug addiction to have a one-year program. Everything we do is based on one year in recovery. Here's why. The luxury of time. And even up to two years. When people don't have time, they make bad decisions. When people are under the gun, they get desperate. That's when they make bad decisions. So a place where they can have one year to breathe and uh, have all their needs taken care of, where they can really work on the root issues that cause a cycle of pain in their life. And God said, I want this floor right here to be for runaway street girls from Hollywood in the streets. And, and I went to the top of the roof. And I looked out over all of L.A. And this is what God spoke to me. He said, the pimps are working 24 hours a day. The liquor stores are open all hours of the night. The adult film industry is preying on runaway kids who get off the bus and making promises only to get them involved in human trafficking. They're working 24 hours a day. If they can, why not? give you this building to have a 24-hour church that will never sleep in the community. I want to give you this building. 
We went to the Catholic Church, my dad and I, and uh, we just sat down and, and we just said, can we just talk to you guys? They said, yes. And so we're sitting down with these sisters that were the nuns that were in the building. We said, look, we want to buy the building and we don't have $16 million by Paramount, but we really, you know, want to leave a 24-7 legacy of service in the community, just like you've had here in the hospital. And their sisters looked at us and they said, well, go ahead and make us an offer. I looked at my dad. He looked at me. We didn't expect the meeting to go that good. You know, we just kind of thrown out a Hail Mary just to see what would happen. And touchdown, you know, we have an offer. And we said $3.9 million. And they said, we will accept your offer for $3.9 million. We were so excited. And then we realized $3.9 million is a lot of money when your offering is 50 grand a year that you brought in with the homeless church. And my dad and I went to a place in downtown LA. It's called The Pantry. It never closes. It's kind of symbolic, right? It's a restaurant um, where they just do steaks and they have a little chalkboard and they put the food up there. And then when it's out, they just erase it. It's just one of those type of uh, greasy spoon places in downtown LA. And we're sitting there and we're like, what do we do? We just said yes to this. We have no money. And so we put down on a, on a, a napkin the pros and cons of doing this. And so we said, okay, the pro, the cons over here. Let's start with the cons. We have no money. <laughs> Number two, we don't have $4 million. Number three, we got no fundraising team. Number four, we have no staff. And number five, half of, no, actually the staff that we do, half of them are ex-cons. Amen. So that's a lot of cons. And so we said, what are the pros? We're like, we couldn't think of one. And finally, my dad and I, we, my dad just looked at me and said, well, what if? What if the most visible landmark in all of the Los Angeles a building that you will see, next time you see L.A. shown, you will see that hospital, and it's the most visible place in all of media. Super Bowl, you name it, it's always there. Our building has, has been blown up five times in Hollywood movies. I mean, Armageddon, all of them, are like, is Dream Center okay? I'm like, yeah, that's just a movie. They just animated our, our building being crushed. We're still here, amen. And, you know, just... We, they, we were just going for it. And they accepted our offer for 3.9. And so we started raising money and doing the best that we could, you know. And money was coming in. Things were happening. And, uh, but it wasn't very much at all. And then, and then we just said, but what if? What if there'd be a church that would never sleep? What if we were always open? What if we just turned nobody away? What if there was a building in Landmark below the Hollywood sign that stood for those that were left behind in the Hollywood dream? Those that were rebuilt in rock bottom because we believe that God doesn't destroy people in rock bottom. He recreates people in rock bottom. And even some of you here today believe that your life has gone to rock bottom. You are not in rock bottom. God doesn't destroy people in rock bottom. He recreates them. And, and you might think you're in the worst place you've ever been in your life, down at rock bottom, only to be in the best place because in rock bottom, you dream dreams that come from God's heart that you never would have put down on paper. I didn't know that I love hurting people that much. I didn't know that I love broken people. I didn't know that I love homeless people that much. I didn't know that I love gang members that much. But when everything died and I started to dream from rock bottom, I began to love things that only brokenness can reveal. And if you are broken in rock bottom, dream from rock bottoms because it will be the purest dream that you've ever dreamed in your entire life. The hospital would never happen if it wasn't for rock bottom. The 24-hour church would never happen if it wasn't for rock bottom. And getting the simple revelation of get to serve, get to in everything of life, living your life with that mentality. 
And God gave us that building through an extraordinary miracle. We had two men that were so negative. They didn't want to support the vision. They left my dad's church in Arizona because they believed that he was wasting resources by putting money into downtown L.A. They thought it was bad stewardship because everything, in their opinion, that was wrong with America comes from L.A. <laughs> Partially true. But anyways, but, uh, but they just had no hope for it. And so they uh, were in town on a business convention. They said, we want to see what you guys are doing. And the first thing that came to our mind is, we don't want some old negative guys to come by and throw cold water in our dream. Then we ran out of excuses why we couldn't do the tour. So we said, come on by, we'll show you around. And they were just, as we thought they would be kind of stoic. You know, we had about 10 people living in the building. We just got in and we had to raise all the money in 18 months. So we're just up against the clock. And they heard a couple of testimonies. They seemed slightly touched, not greatly, but... That night, they called us, and they said, Pastor, we want to meet you at Denny's on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> if you've ever been to Denny's on Sunset Boulevard, it's like the bar scene of Star Wars. I mean, you got guys over there, like, you know, drinking. You got guys over here, you know, shooting dice. I mean, it's just the wildest place you've ever seen, you know. And <laughs> so we're meeting there. These rich men at Denny's is the most random things. And, uh, and then the guy just starts trembling. He's talking to us. He said, Pastor... I want you to forgive me. I said, well, why? He goes, because I've stood in the way of God's vision. And what I saw today was so pure. It came from the heart of God. Would you forgive me? And I said, sure. And then he just started weeping. And he was shaking this very proud man, businessman, wealthy man. He just, Lord, would you just please forgive me? He's just, yes, yes. You're good, man. You're fine. I'm not offended. And he just starts crying. And then he pulls out a check. He said, Pastor, and he's, I'm so, so sorry. And he wrote out that check. And he put on my hand. He said, Pastor, would you please forgive me? And I looked at that check, and it's for $1 million. And I said, you are forgiven in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He said, I'm throwing holy water and everything, Denny's water and everything on the brother, you know. And he said, I got a son. He's got as much money as I do. I said, he's forgiven too. I'm like Oprah. He's forgiven. You're forgiven. Everyone's forgiven. Amen. And then God began to send the momentum. And then churches like this begin to support. Miracles begin to unfold. And God began to do incredible things. And, and now that building today is filled with nearly 700 people that live in the building every day who are coming off of drugs and alcohol. 20 people a day with fentanyl abuse that are checking in. Uh, uh, 270 people that are homeless families that live in our building, 41 units for homeless families who are getting their lives back together. They can actually live for up to two years, and every 30 days we renew their housing based on are your kids going to school, are you showing up to job training, and we can extend it up to two years as long as they are uh, showing an initiative to either want to go to school or get their life back or job or, or and, and actively have their kids and go to parenting classes. And then in one month, you know, 40 people were sentenced to the Dream Center instead of the prison sentence. Some of the judges pounding the gavel every day and telling people you're not going to prison and they're being sentenced to the house of God every single day. We had the police department dropping people off in chains and shackles and they'd be like, would you, would you mind taking them in? I believe this guy can actually change. I'm like, okay, you know, in a, and seeing this miracle every 24 hours a day, seven days a week, always open, like Motel 6, we'll leave the light on for you. Amen. It's just there. 
And I realized I, there's a time in my life where I thought everything in ministry was get to. I'm a third generation mega church pastor's son. People come by to LA and say, oh, I know what you're doing. You're doing missions for two years. And you're going to go back and take over a real church. I said, this is a real church. They said, no, you can't build a great church with graffiti on the wall. I'm like, that's not graffiti. That's beautiful art right there. I get offended. They'd be like, when are you going to take over a real church? Right, this is a real church. And I've been in L.A. for 28 years. And one thing I've learned is that whoever stays the longest in a community will win the battle for influence. We are outlasting the liquor stores. We are outlasting uh, the gang members. We are outlasting. The, the one thing that you can do to show people that you love is you stay and you don't leave. And that's why... We love to serve. We get to serve. We have churches that allow us to put feet in the ground. During the pandemic, everybody thought we were done. Everybody said the Dream Center was over. We had big businesses coming by, wanting to buy our building. They're like, well, everything else in our neighborhoods is, has been um, abandoned, so let's go make an offer from the Dream Center. We have people offering us $105 to $110 million for our building. And when I heard that, I'm like, God... I know there's needs in other cities that make you do it much cheaper, amen. But, uh, but the call of God keeps you going when the burden leaves. There's times where the burden is not always there, but the call of God. There's times you want to quit. I've been down that road on the 10 freeway, and I said, God, I'm going to quit. Three times I told God I was going to quit. And then I saw a Dairy Queen on the side of the 10 freeway. And I sat down, I was eating a Dairy Queen blizzard. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, just give me one more day. God's been playing that trick on me. He's used Dairy Queen three times to save me in ministry. I mean, I'll probably die five years earlier, but my calling will last longer in ministry. Amen. But, uh, but wanting to quit is a sign of success because it means that you have something to quit. Only successful people face the desire to want to quit. So if you want to quit, that means you're a success because you are pursuing something and something is fighting you from going forward because you're trying to go forward. Don't condemn yourself because maybe you've got one day left of strength left. That's okay. Sometimes we're built for years of strength. Some days for months. Some days we're built for one more day. But the Bible says that he'll give you new mercy every morning. And if you just get through the day and you hang in there, you, you're going to feel different tomorrow morning. There's times I've had the ability to run for years and weeks and months, and there's times where I just need to sit under the, the tree for a while and say, God, just come and minister to me. We serve, we stay, we fight, we get to serve, we get to love, we get to be in the neighborhood, we get to deal with problems, we get to deal with craziness. Man, we got a lot of crazy. When the Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, I mean, that's kind of literal sometimes. Amen? I remember years ago, we had a concert in our church. We, you know, we bring our bus guys to everything. We bring them to every service. And there was a guy that we brought in off the bus. He was walking around the balcony dressed like he was Jesus. You know, he's having a little identity crisis. Probably been nipping on the berries a little too much before he came to church. And he's walking around the balcony. Just blessing all the children and everything. Really nice guy, actually, but he's a bit bless you. He's really sweet. And I went up to him. I talked to the guy. I said, sir, who are you? And with a straight face, he looked me in the eye, and he said, I am Jesus Christ. I'm like, whoa. I said, you're Jesus? He said, yes, I am. I said, oh, did you ever see the movie, The Passion of the Christ? And with a straight face, he looked me in the eye, and he said, nope, I couldn't. 
It brought back too many bad memories. <laughs> like, why, God, you gave me these people? Why? Why? Every once in a while in church, a guy will yell out, I am the 13th disciple. Why, God? Why is every single altar call? I said, bow your head and close your eyes. I hear a beer bottle hit the, hit the ground. used to be why, but now it's like, we get to. Ah, we get to minister to that, that young man that comes in addicted to fentanyl. And I don't look at him and say, oh boy, I wonder what he did to put himself in this situation. I look at him and say, I can't wait to see what he's going to become. I never see who they are right now. And when somebody is down, when they come into the dream center, which is your dream center because you guys support it, and you believed in it from the beginning, when they come into the dream center, you know what the first thing that we tell someone is when they come into the program is, what is your dream? And that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, especially the world, because telling somebody what is your dream when they're just trying to come off drugs, it seems like it's pretty far down the road to attack something like that. But shame and regret are the greatest barriers from people changing. And the best thing that you can do when somebody who's lost it all is to shine the biggest light immediately upon them to let them know that there's hope. We don't believe at the Dream Center that comebacks are when you get all of your stuff back that you lost because of your problem. People always come in, they say, uh, when I'm back, then this will happen. When I'm back, my family will come back together. I said, no, no, no. The greatest way to come back is to realize that when your heart is right, you're already back. When you have God back in your life, you have everything back. In the Bible, um, when he says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, David, what David was saying was, I lost my kingdoms, but he can care less about his kingdom, his palace, all those things. The only thing he wanted was the joy of his salvation. He wanted a good spirit back. He wanted the get-to back. He wanted the life back. He's uh, renew a right spirit. And that get-to spirit, that understanding of the privilege of what it means to be a follower of Christ and to know Jesus. I used to get up every day and say, Lord, I had a martyr complex. Oh, Lord, nobody cares. Nobody cares. God touched my heart and he said, no, you need to understand the get-to spirit. You need to project that everybody cares. Some people do and you know it and some people just don't know it yet. Amen. But you just start saying everybody cares. You sound the rallying cry and just we get to serve. And everyone on our campus, whenever we get tired every once in a while, we go through something, we'll shake ourselves off and say, yeah, we get to do this. We get to minister. I close with this. I just said amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I hear you. But sometimes I close five or six times in a sermon. One time I opened a sermon by closing, but I promise you this is the real one. But every day I drive down the Hollywood freeway and there is a man who lived homeless under the bridge for 18 years. Kind of like a pool of the Bethesda kind of story. Just lived under the bridge. And I'd get off the freeway to try to talk to him. He didn't want anyone to talk to him. He just didn't want anything. Like, I, I would say, look, I'll give, you, like, I'll give you $10 if you let me talk to you for five minutes. I was trying to reach him. He turned that down. He didn't want anything, want to talk to him about God. And I tried. And, um, and so one day, we had a youth group come in town on a mission trip, and a girl from Oklahoma, she comes up to me. She said, Pastor, I'm going to go find that man living under the bridge. I'm going to bring him to the Dream Center. Some teenage girl from Oklahoma, and I'm thinking to myself, I mean, I'm God's man of power and faith. If I can't do it for 18 years, what makes you think you can do it? I didn't say that, because that would be wrong. So I did the Christian thing. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You just smile and say, well, 
Praise the Lord. I'm going down there to get him. Praise the Lord. She went down there and she said, sir, you're coming to the dream center. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. It's like kind of like the Grinch, the little girl. And uh, no, and just grabbed him by the hand and just like literally dragged him to the food line. I saw him there. I said, what in the world? How did you do this? She said, well, pastor, my, my youth pastor back home in Oklahoma tells us that when we go to school, that we ought to compel people to come into the house of the Lord. And that word compel in the Greek means to physically force him into the house of the Lord. I guess they go gangster for Jesus in Oklahoma too. You know, it's just that rodeo gangster stuff there. It's crazy. And she brought him to the Dream Center and every day he'd come by though and he started getting meals. And he'd just get his meal and we're like, hey, we have a little five minute Bible study. You want to stay for prayer? Nope. Can we pray with you? Nope. He just kept getting free stuff every day. Didn't want to hear one thing about Jesus. Went right back under the bridge. And I was getting mad. I'm like, God, this guy's just using us. He's just getting all this free stuff and he doesn't want to change. And, you know, we're, are we being a good steward of your resources? And this is what God spoke to me. He said, let him get all the free stuff and all the free food and all the free, everything that he wants. Because if you want to be a bridge of hope to the world, you've got to allow yourself to be walked on if you want to be a bridge. Let him use you. And he did. But one day he was standing in line. He said, Pastor, can I talk to you? Wow, I mean, I try to spend so much money to get this guy to talk to me. Now he's talking to me. He said, I want to go into your rehab program. And I looked at him and said, well, brother, praise the Lord. Because <laughs> our rehab program is not like the ones in Malibu, you know, where they give you massages and pedicures and whirlpools. No, that's not our program. Our program is free of charge, and it's beans and rice in Jesus Christ. That's what it is, man. This guy comes into our program like, ah, he's not going to make it. That's what I thought. 30 days, they're like, hey, Barry's doing good. 90 days, he's doing good. One year. I said, Pastor, Barry graduated the program. I go, where is he? What's going on now? He's going to Bible school. And now, homeless Barry living under the bridge is Pastor Barry, and he's on my staff, and he preaches like 15 times every single week, and he reminds me that he preaches more than I do. He's like, Pastor, how many times did you preach last week? I'm like, four. He's like, huh. I did like 15 I pray that the Lord humbles the brother a little bit more. Amen. But and I look at his life and all because an 18-year-old girl with a get-to spirit. I'm going to get him. She was fixed in her mind. There was no turning back. And we're living in a day where God is looking for his people in the church and people in general that will just say, there's no turning back. This is our greatest hour. This is our greatest moment. I never look at my children and say, you should have seen what life was like when I was a kid. We didn't have all these pandemics. I never say that. I tell my kids, you are born in the greatest hour known to mankind. God must really love you to have you born in this era because he knows he saved his best for this time. We can curse the darkness all day long or we can realize that the darker the world gets, the brighter that we're going to shine more hateful that the world becomes, the broader our smile is going to be. You know my goal is for my neighborhood? My goal is to be so positive I make Joel Osteen look negative. That's my vision. I'd go up to gang members and say, you're going to be my youth pastor. they look at me like, no, I'm not. You're going to be my youth pastor one day. No, I'm not. I just dream for people who have lost their dream. Speak things over people. Believe the best. Become a prisoner of great expectation. Look for miracles. Be a miracle. The Bible says that there's an opportunity to do good. Do it. 
Today we have one. I'm a living proof today that we wouldn't make it without churches like you that allow us to keep going because you have a get-to-serve mentality. Thank you for living the get-to. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm just going to close with a short prayer, but there's people today that I'm just feeling. You're saying, Pastor, I've, I've heard preaching sometimes that tells me I'm a sinner. That hasn't drawn me to God. And I've heard preaching maybe this way, and that hasn't drawn me to God. And, but today there's something about the sacrifice of Jesus and the mission that he gives us. You see, when you give your life right with God, he doesn't take away your burden. He just gives you a new burden. See, our burden is heavy, the Bible says, because we live our life, walking through life, picking up stuff. Imagine just carrying like a sack and then just keep adding bricks on it inside of that that bag. And it just gets heavier and heavier because life accumulates. The Bible says, don't worry. When you get your life right with God, when you come to know me as your Savior, I'll give you a burden, but it'll be a light burden because it won't be a burden of accumulating. You'll actually be serving out of your burden. You'll be giving out of your burden. And my burden is light because it's a, it's a burden of giving and of purpose and of a, a new life and something great to live for. I'm asking you this morning to lay down your burden, your regret and your shame, which has held you back way too long. It should never have that much control over you because God loves you so much. He's already defeated it. Pick up his burden. Your testimony, your rock bottom is about ready to be the greatest reason why you were born. You are meant to rebound from rock bottom. This is your moment. Pastor, today I want my life to, I want to know Christ as my Lord and Savior. When I say three, I want you to raise your hands. I believe the hands are going to go up all over this room. You are getting ready to bounce from rock bottom because you're not staying there. You're going to let Jesus pull you out. He's been looking for you since he left heaven to come to this earth, to die on the cross. He had a get-to mindset For those bound by shame and regret, there's people today that need to be saved. That right now, you go to bed at night thinking, if there's one thing in life I could do over, I wish I could. And it haunts you every night you go to bed. Rather than trying to change your past on your own, realize you can change your past. You know, you can change your past by changing what you do today. It'll be your past tomorrow. So you can change your past by changing what you do right now. You're ready today. No, Christ, your Lord and Savior. When I say three, I want you to raise your hands. One, get ready. Two, all over this building. If that's you, I believe the hand's going to go up. Lay down your burden. Pick up the burden of the Lord, the burden of serving, and the get-to-serve mindset. Are you ready? All over this building right now. Three, lift them up. All over this room. Thank you. Just yes, 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 yes. Yes, over here, there, 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 there. Just lift them up high, boldly. You're picking up a new burden. This is the burden you were meant to carry. Hands are going up everywhere all over this room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just right now, just say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for coming into my life. I repent. I surrender to your will. I give my life right with you. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. Just say it right now. Come into my life. I invite you, Lord. Be my Savior today. I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church, for the get-to spirit. I love you. I love this church so much. Thank you. Thank you. Stay right here if you could. Uh, one more time, give it up for Pastor Matthew. I mean, I was, I was crying because I laughed really hard, and, uh, and I was burdened and stirred. And uh, 
can feel God's presence. We're so grateful for all that you're doing in the Dream Center, and uh, it's our honor as a church to partner with you. Uh, I heard about a project um, that we can participate in, and uh, you talked about homeless families and living there and getting back on their feet, and it takes time. And uh, some of those apartment rooms that we could actually help refurnish so that more families can go in. And uh, from what the data I heard, it was like uh, 15 rooms we could pick up for $6,000 each. And I, somebody texted me earlier and said, right. me and my wife, we're gonna take one of those rooms. So that means there's 14 left, unless we go beyond it. Tell us about those rooms and what we can do. Yeah, we have these rooms that renovated, and the cool thing about it is um, that within that room is remodel and renovation, but also provides food for the entire year in our cafeteria, three meals, the GED programs for families. So basically for $6,000, they can sponsor a family for a year to be able to just go through the rebuilding process. Food, room and board, shelter, all of that. We have 200 families on the waiting list trying to get into the Dreams Center, 200 wow. um, for a one-year housing, and then the kids go to school, all of that. But it's really just the full circle project from coming in, the room and board, all of that being taken care of, the beds that are putting in there, and then the, the GED programs that you're contributing to as well, the wow. food programs and all that go into wow. that very affordable price to help rebuild families to make it Wow, business. wow. Well, I think we can take this on today. That's just part of the miracle. It's Amen. not the full miracle, but this is a part of it. And I just believe God's going to help us help you and help these families. And uh, I want to do something. We didn't do this in the first service, but I want to pray for you and your staff. And w whether they have ankle bracelets on or not, or whatever their storyline is, I know that you're in on the front lines. And as a church, we want to lift up your arms. Well, I just want to say one more thing. I, you know, I went through um, three months ago. I don't really tell us when I preach much, but, you know, we survived the whole era that we went through and, uh, with COVID and California and some of the struggles that went along with that. And then three months ago, I had, a, I had three strokes in my brain out of the blue. Just I couldn't talk, lost my voice, everything. Went to the doctor and they just, they, they couldn't believe how quickly I recovered from it. Didn't, didn't really lose much speech at all. A little bit of brain fog sometimes, but three months ago went through that. And um, I just didn't see a way out. I was so overwhelmed by going through that process. And then it was right at that time, your pastor called, notified us and said, we want to do something very, very special for the Dream Center. And it lifted me in ways I could never possibly imagine to know that you can work as hard as you want but there are more people pulling for you out there than sometimes you feel in a lonely place. And you are that church, so thank you Amen. so much. And uh, yeah. if I said something weird, I'm just gonna blame it on the stroke. <laughs> the doctor said I have six months of a stroke card to make a mistake, I can blame it on that, amen. <laughs> hey, I wanna pray for you as a church, and then we're, we're gonna do some other things in the service here, but just stretch out your hands, church, whether you're in Elk River or Lakeville or Maple Grove or Spring Lake Park or at home. Father, we thank you for this brother. We thank you that he said yes. 28 years of faithfulness. Dairy Queen visits. And staying in the game. We lift his arms up, oh God. We ask, oh God, that you would strengthen him. That as he goes back to L.A., he would feel stronger. He would have more in his soul for the next leg of the journey. That you continue your healing work in his physical body. And that, Lord, you would always provide for every need. We thank you and we ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.